trapped in the house of blood. You're in New Orleans, spending the Mardi Gras holiday with your uncle. One night he takes you to a masked ball at the mysterious Maison du Sang, the house of blood. You've just stepped inside the ballroom when a sinister-looking servant approaches your uncle. The hostess wishes to see you alone, he says. Now you're left in the ballroom without him. What do you do? If you secretly follow your uncle, turn to page 47. If you wait in the ballroom, turn to page 104. Beware! Everyone inside the House of Blood is wearing a costume, and there's no way to tell who is your enemy. If you don't watch your step, you could become the victim of a voodoo curse. Or you might find a fortune in diamonds. What happens next in the story, it all depends on the choices you make. How does the story end? Only you can find out. And the best part is that you can keep reading and rereading until you've had not one, but many incredibly daring experiences. You're the star of the story. Choose from 17 possible endings. Choose your own adventure book 65, The Mardi Gras Mystery. Written by Louise Monroe Foley and illustrated by Ron Wing. Welcome to Incredibly Daring, where we read vintage shoes, our adventure books to each other, and make generally poor decisions. I'm Jason. I'm Connie. I'm Jeremy. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to this one, just because, you know, Mardi Gras, New Orleans. Yeah. Um, and I'm really hoping there's some uh, French Creole type accent. I don't yeah. know if I can pull that off, but I, I sure as hell want to try if we run across it. So, we will see what happens. That's not it. Nope, that is not it. <laughs> Warning, do not read this book straight through from beginning to end. These pages contain many different adventures you may have as you try to uncover the secrets of the Mardi Gras mystery. From time to time as you read along, you will be asked to make decisions and choices. Your choices may lead to success or disaster. The adventures you have will be the result of your choices. After you make a choice, follow the instructions to see what happens to you next. Think carefully before you make a move. You may find the legendary Bonvier fortune, or you may find yourself caught in the darkest powers of the House of Blood. Good luck. Are you scared? Not really. Oh, all right. Cajun. <laughs> Cajun. That's what I was thinking too, maybe Cajun. Cajun, French Creole. Yeah. Cajun um, accent. Despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in Cajun. <laughs> wow. That was... That was impressive. I was going to say it was disappointing, but all right. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm down. You follow your Uncle David up the outside stairs of his shop to the balcony and lean over the wrought iron railing. Below you, the lights of a New Orleans street glisten. It looks mysterious and exciting. This is my shop, David says, slipping a key into the lock. A hanging sign over the door moves slightly in the night breeze. The gallery is printed on the sign in ornate gold letters, and underneath, fine antiques, David B. Richt, proprietor and appraiser. Richt, R-I-K-T? R-I-C-H-T. Oh, okay. You peer through the window as David fumbles with another key. Fine-cut crystal bowls sit on velvet-covered shelves, and to the left is an oriental vase that stands three feet high. Come in, David says, motioning you inside. 
We've had so many robberies in the area that I put a double lock on the door. He switches on the light. The shop is long and narrow, and the ancient wood floor creaks as you walk through. The prices are unbelievable. $70 for a small plate? $350 for a fruit bowl? I'll be afraid to handle these things, you say. David grins. You'll do fine, he says. He stops to rearrange some brass candlesticks on a sideboard, and something catches your eye at the rear of the shop. You squint through the dim light towards a soft, flickering glow. Pro tip, if you are in New Orleans and you're in the French Quarter, do go to an antique store because they are like a museum and they will let you touch whatever you want. It's real great. Do they charge $350 for a small bowl, though? Yes, they do. The one we wandered into did. They were museum pieces, and it was quite something. Mm -hmm. You move toward the glow as David reaches to the wall and turns on another set of lights. You're staring at an image of yourself, reflected from an ornate, gilt-edged mirror hanging on the back wall. I was sure I saw something move back here, you tell him, but it's just a mirror. David laughs. It's placed so it picks up the reflection from the balcony across the way, he says. The street is narrow. There was probably someone on the balcony over there. He turns and points out through the front window at the gas lights flickering on the railing of the building opposite. Come on, let's go upstairs. I feel like the question there is, why was it positioned? He's a voyeur. (laughs) (laughs) It was peeping on the DL. (laughs) That sounds accurate. Mm -hmm. Your uncle is a perv. (laughs) Come on, let's go upstairs. Tomorrow you can work in the shop with Francine for half a day and explore New Orleans in the other half. I won't have you spend your whole spring vacation working, especially during Mardi Gras. With a 12-year-old girl, we're going to get some beads. <laughs> David carefully locks the door as you leave, and you climb another flight of outside stairs to his apartment above the gallery. What happens during Mardi Gras, you ask, as you sit in the, his elegant blue and white tiled kitchen drinking hot chocolate? Well, there'll be parades and parties the rest of this week, and the shop will be busy with tourists, he tells you. And then next Tuesday, which is Mardi Gras Day, Mardi Gras means Fat Tuesday. The last night of the celebration, we've been invited to a masquerade party at La Maison Rouge. We left out the best part of the king cake. Delicious king cake. La Maison Rouge, you say? That sounds like a ritzy restaurant. Madame Bonvier would scowl at that description, David said with a little smile. Le Maison Rouge, the Red House, sometimes called Le Maison du Sang, belongs to one of the oldest families in New Orleans. That's where the mirror comes from. Only three Bonvier family heirlooms have left the estate, and all three are here in the gallery. Why? How did you get the mirror, you asked David. I don't want to talk about it, <laughs> David says. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. I think he slept with the old lady. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait a minute, you say, too curious to let the conversation end. Why is it called the Red House? And what does Le Maison du Sang mean? It's called the Red House because it's built with red brick, David says. The other name means the House of Blood. It came about after Pierre Bonvier died under strange circumstances. He was great-uncle to Madame Marie, the present owner. We need to get you some French lessons, child. Mm-hmm. What happened to him, you ask? 
A long time ago, when Pierre was a young man, he went to Haiti and was drawn into a voodoo cult. When he returned to New Orleans, strange people came to the mansion to visit him. The hired help said that dead people walked through the rooms and cries were heard in the hills. The servants refused to stay. Uh, Eventually, his brother Antoine, that's Madame Bonvier's grandfather, moved to the family plantation home. Uh, What happened to Pierre? He was found hanged by a yellow silk scarf from the railing of the ballroom staircase. Oh, very gothic sounding. It was a sex thing. (laughs) (laughs) You wake early the next morning, partly from the excitement of being in new surroundings and partly because of the scary dreams you've had about La Maison du Rouge. You're determined to find out more about that place. David is in the kitchen fixing plates of hot cakes and fresh fruit. Do we go in costume to the masquerade, you ask after breakfast? He nods. We not only go in costume, he says, but we stay masked throughout the evening. Identities are never revealed. It's a sex thing. It's a sex thing. Eyes wide shut. It's it's an eyes wide shut thing. (laughs) Delio. That would be an easy party to crash. You wouldn't know who was there. Not so, says David. You have to present an invitation at the door, or you don't get admitted. That's quite shut, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what I'll dress up as, you say. You have a few days to think about it, he replies, and there's a costume shop across the street. You can take a look through the things they have. David starts clearing away the breakfast dishes. There's an extra set of keys to the shop and the apartment hanging by the back door, he says, pointing to a peg. Do you want to work in the shop with Francine this morning, or with me this afternoon? I'll be gone on an appraisal till noon. You'll like Francine. She's only been with me a few weeks, but she's the best help I've ever had. You think for a few moments. With David gone, you could get a better look at the Bonvier heirlooms and see if Francine knows anything about them. On the other hand, she's only been with the gallery for a few weeks, and maybe David would be in the mood to talk this afternoon. You could sightsee now and work with him later. If you decide to work with Francine, turn to page 59. If you decide to go exploring now, turn to page 73. The thing is, I mean, if we explore now, then we're left with talking to David about stuff later, and he's been very not forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could introduce a new character. Yeah. yeah. So we want to talk to France or work with Francine? We'll work with Francine now, and we'll explore later. As you enter the gallery, you're met by a tiny black-haired young woman with sky-blue eyes, fringed with long black lashes. This is Francine, David says. She'll show you what needs to be done. He picks up his briefcase and leaves the shop. Francine grins, and you try to hide your surprise. You expected David's clerk to be older. I won't be too hard on you your first day, she says in a soft voice. You can start by answering the phone and washing the shipment of cut glass in the back room. She leads you through a draped doorway at the back of the shop. A crate of cut glass sits on the drain board. An oval peephole cut in the wall over the sink allows you to look out into the shop. Business is slow. You're washing a decanter when the telephone rings. Don't break any of this glass that comes out of your paycheck. (laughs) You dry your hands and pick up the phone. The gallery, you say. I have a message for Francine, says a voice. Just a minute, I'll get her, you say. No. Just tell her that she gets us the Bonvier mirror or she'll be dead by Fat Tuesday. Good lord. I'm 12. I didn't want to hear that. Bye. <laughs> dead? Wait, could you repeat that so I can write it down? <laughs> dead? 
The dial tone hums in your ear. You glance at the front of the shop. Francine is humming as she works in the front window. Who would want to kill her? Is this a prank? Should you tell her or wait for David and tell him? If you decide to give Francine the message, turn to page 31. If you decide not to tell Francine, turn to page 48. If you decide to call the cops? Mm-hmm. No. Hmm. I might as well tell her. At yeah. least now she knows that we know. And yeah. Then maybe she'll kill us. I don't know. She mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, let's tell her. Was the call important? Francine calls out from the front window where she's putting up in a new display. I kind of. Wrong number. <laughs> Slowly, you walk to the front of the store. I think so, you say. You give her the message and watch closely for her reaction. Why would anyone kill for a mirror they could come in and buy, you ask her. The mirror is not for sale, Francine replies. If David knew your life was threatened, he'd sell it. Francine shakes her head. He mustn't find out. Sometimes it's dangerous when people know too much. She crawls crawls out of the window and back into the gallery. I need your help. Come with me. Francine leads you to a back room and opens up a closet. Would she say, I need your help? Yeah. Little 12-year-old kid? Yep. Okay. Francine leads you to a back room and opens a closet. There is something large propped up against the back wall, covered with a tarpaulin. A tarpaulin. Oh, the full word. (laughs) I've never said that word ever in my life. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. Never said it. Uh, Even before it's uncovered, you know what it is. A mirror. An exact duplicate of the one on the wall. We're going to exchange mirrors, Francine tells you. Why, you ask? You're in on this now, kid. (laughs) Why, you ask, struggling to hold up your end of it? I can't tell you right now, she says. Trust me. You carry it out into the shop and put it up in place of the one on the wall. They're identical. It's my first day. Now let's get this one into the closet, she says. Is she going to tell David that you switched them, you wonder? My guess is no. No, you naive child. So, when did she have time to get a fake one made? And how much did that cost? Mm -hmm. Did they help? Did they, like, give her the mirror and said, you're going to get us this other mirror? Apparently, she's known that her life was probably at risk for a while, so... I mean, she's only been working with her for for a couple weeks, so they probably placed her in there to... Um, Specifically. Right. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm starting to feel like we should have just gone exploring. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's always an option later. Alrighty. Before you can question Francine about switching the mirrors, it's back to business as usual. If you're through with the cut glass, she says, start dusting the side shelves at the front of the shop. You do as she says, but your mind is full of questions. I was going to say, oh, shit. <laughs> it's real early in the morning where you have done that. Francine finishes the window display and goes to the back of the store. I have to make a phone call, she says, sitting at David's desk. You pick up a dust cloth and move to a shelf closer to the desk so you can eavesdrop. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) Tonight at ten, she says into the receiver. The door will be unlocked. She's arranging a robbery. (laughs) She looks up and sees you. Just a minute, she says into the phone. I'm just dusting. She smiles at you. 
Would you bring me my purse? I left it on that bureau by the front window. Nope. Annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, get it yourself. <laughs> Annoyed that your eavesdropping has been halted, you go to the front of the store and get her purse. It's sitting open on a cherry chest. As you reach for the handles, you are startled to see that its contents include a small black revolver. Cool. You snap the purse closed and walk back to the desk with it. What's going on? Who is Francine, and why does she have a gun? Why is she going to leave the gallery door unlocked for someone? What kind of bullshit spring break is this? <laughs> should you come right out and ask her, or should you wait and tell David? If you confront Francine, turn to page 28. If you wait and tell David, turn to page 54. I mean, we've already confronted her. We might as well keep going with that. Yeah. I have a feeling that telling David will uh, put him in harm's way. Yeah, I don't think he needs to know. He probably um, needs to know, but right, I don't. Yeah. I think, but like it, immediately or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I imagine it'll be one of those things where like, oh, I just pulled a gun on them and I'll kill you both, you little bastards. Something mm-hmm. to that effect. I don't, mm-hmm. That's my Cajun accent, by the way. Nice. <laughs> Yay. Digging it. You set the purse down on the desk just as Francine hangs up the receiver. She smiles at you, but you don't smile back. Who are you? You ask angrily. First you switch mirrors, and then you arrange to leave the shop unlocked at night so your friends can come in and steal, and... I was referring to my apartment when I said I'd leave it unlocked, she snaps. How dare you listen to my conversation? Well, that doesn't explain the gun in your purse, you say. I'm a single woman living alone. I have a license for it, she says, and storms out. (laughs) <laughs> She's all indignant and she made you switch mirrors. Mm-hmm. Later, you tell David about Francine. If she leaves her apartment open for friends, that's her business, he says. And if she says she has a license for the gun, then she has one. Also, switching the mirror, whatever. Yeah. Disgruntled, you go back to dusting, but your mind is focused. What? Yep. <laughs> but your mind is focused on what will happen at 10 o'clock tonight. You don't believe Francine was talking about her apartment at all. You've already decided, tonight at 10, you'll be hiding in the shop. Luck is with you. David fixes a big meal and sprawls out on the couch after dinner. (laughs) By 9.50, he is snoring softly. You take the keys from the peg by the back door and quietly leave. You don't need them, the door's unlocked. (laughs) That's funny because it's true. (laughs) When you get to the shop level, you sneak along the balcony to the gallery door. You try the handle. It's unlocked. Your suspicions were right. She did mean the shop. You enter and go to the back, crouching beside a chest near the mirror. You don't wait long. An English mantel clock is chiming the hour when two men enter the gallery. They know exactly where to go. You stay very still, but even your breathing sounds loud. The men lift the mirror from its hooks and exit quickly. You jump up oh, and... Oh, they wait, saw the fake one. Did they take, yeah, did they take the fake one? They took yeah. the hanging one. Yeah. So, it, but was the hanging one the fake one? Yeah. I, that's, or, I, we don't really know. Well, but that's the assumption. That's the assumption. She switched mirrors out. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Yeah. You jump up and run out on the balcony. They load the mirror into a van, get in, and pull away. Across the street, a car inches out from the curb, its lights off. Francine is driving. Hey! You yell from the balcony. (laughs) I'm up here as you wildly wave your arms and jump up and down. She rolls down the window. 
Get down here, fast, she snaps. You can't see if she's holding a weapon. You run down the stairs. Get in quickly or I'll lose them, she says. What do you mean lose them, you ask? You helped them. I helped them because they'll lead me to something bigger. She reached under the car seat and pulls out a wallet. Open it, she tells you. It's a a badge. I thought maybe she was going to pay us off to keep us quiet. (laughs) (laughs) All the money inside is (laughs) yours. It's empty except a condom. Yeah, get in. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You stare at her picture on the card inside. You're a private investigator, you say dumbfounded. Francine nods. Hired by David to solve the break-ins at the gallery. But we've stumbled onto something bigger. What? A diamond smuggling ring. What does that have to do with the mirror? Then why are they messing around with antique mirrors? All right. Orders from their boss, she replies. Minutes later, the van turns into the driveway of a mansion. Francine parks her car nearby. Like how you're a PI, you're not like a cop or FBI or Interpol or any of those other agencies. Just as I thought, Francine says. Le Maison Rouge. Is Marie Bonvier involved, you ask? Yes, says Francine. She's the boss. Do the smugglers know who you are, you ask Francine? No, they think I'm just David's clerk, she replies. First, they tried to bribe me to get the mirror, and when that didn't work, they threatened me. So we figured it was safest to give them a fake. Sounds like a lot of trouble for one mirror, you say. Why didn't David sell it? Especially a mirror that already belongs to them. Right. But he acquired it somehow that he's unwilling to share with us. (laughs) Don't ask. Ah, for fuck's sake. All right. It's not his. It belongs to a friend who's in England. What's so special about it? Pierre's voodoo cultists thought it was enchanted, Francine says seriously. But that was a century ago, you exclaim. And a champion can't last a century. Voodoo is still practiced in New Orleans, Francine says. I think Madame Bonvier believes in it. She's the one who wants the mirror. And she's also boss of the smuggling ring? Yes. She's their fence. She takes the smuggled diamonds and sells them. Who'd suspect a long-established New Orleans society woman? She has wealthy contacts nationwide. But how does the mirror fit in, you ask? I think she agreed to sell the diamonds for them only if they got the Bonvier heirlooms for her. Francine puts her finger to her lips, and you watch as the men get out of the van. Oh, they've been just sitting in the van this whole time. Yeah, they're waiting for the exposition to go by. (laughs) (laughs) One heads for a side door. The other goes around behind the house. Stay here, Francine tells you, getting out of the car. You can't follow both of them, you protest. Francine frowns. Unfortunately, you're right. But if you want to help me, you've got to be careful. Just follow and observe. Don't do anything foolish. I'll be careful, you promise. Which one will I follow? Francine shrugs. It's a toss-up as to where uh, to where you'll be safer, inside the house or in the back garden. If you follow the man who went inside, turn to page 13. If you choose the one behind the house, turn to page 70. I mean, inside it seems like a horrible idea, but also the most entertaining idea. Yeah. The other one is just hanging out in the backyard. Yeah, the backyard. Back garden, backyard. I think I'd rather go in the house. I don't really know what the hell the backyard yeah. has to do with anything. I like yeah. how we've been yeah. basically deputized again. 
<laughs> yeah, this... You're a PI now, kid. Go. Yeah. These books, you're just surrounded by irresponsible adults. Oh, yeah. Just no. Constantly. Mm -hmm. I think that's what we were always hoping we would run into as kids. Like, oh, yeah. run into some horrible, horrible in, you know. Intrigue. <laughs> yeah, because of the stupid adults that we have in our lives, but never really happened. <laughs> Not to that level, anyway. <laughs> so we're going to go into the house. I'll follow the man who went in, you tell Francine. Don't trip the burglar alarm, she whispers. Great, now I have to deal with a burglar alarm. <laughs> we'll do the whole uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you shut the side door softly behind you. You're in a dimly lit hallway with doors on both sides. One of them closed. The man is nowhere in sight. Slowly, you creep down the hall to the closed door. Light is showing at the base. You put your ear against the door. You hear voices but can't make out what's being said. Suddenly, you sense someone behind you. You turn slowly. A woman has come into the hall. I'm glad you came, she says. It will save us the trouble of kidnapping you. I am Madame Bonvier. Got <laughs> caught immediately. <laughs> you hear the side door close and look toward the sound. A man is pushing Francine down the hall toward well, you. So did she, though, so... Wow. Why would you kidnap me, you ask? Because your uncle still has some things of mine, she says. Now I can trade you for them. But I don't know what I'm going to do with her, she looks at Francine. They must have been working late in the shop, the man says to Madame Bonvier. They followed us, but we have the mirror. You were careless, Armand, she snaps. Excuse me, you say, but you don't have the mirror. You have a reproduction. No, what? For fuck's sake, no! The fuck? You're horrible at this. Madame Bonvier grabs your arm. What? <laughs> then where is the Bonvier mirror, she demands. Uh, wow, we suck. We're the worst. We just ruined Uncle David's plans. Let Francine go, you say, and I'll take you to the mirror. Do you think I'm a fool? She'll go straight to the police. She won't go to the police, you say. She's stolen from two previous employers, and she's stealing from my uncle. That's why I was watching at the store. But I don't want to see her killed. Madame Bonvier frowns. She is an added complication, she says. She turns to Armand. Take her back to the car. Follow her across the causeway to the interstate and see that she is well on her way to another state before you come back. She moves close to him and whispers something in French. Francine winks at you and you bite back a smile. You know that Madame Bonvier is not going to let Francine go free, but you're counting on Francine to outwit Armand and get, <laughs> and get to the police. You're sure Madame Bonvier won't do anything to you until she has the real mirror. You must stall for time. Oh, pre-cell phone days were fun. This is somehow gotten more complicated. Yes, yes, it has. Armand pushes Francine toward the side door, and the two of them disappear into the night. You turn to face Madame Bonvier. She raps sharply on the closed door, and the man you were following appears. Get my car, Tony, she says. She looks at you. The woman is being set free. Now you will take me to the mirror. You'll need a jacket, you say, stalling for time. It's chilly out. 
Yes. Don't forget your mittens. Yes, I suppose so, she agrees. But I'm not leaving you here to escape. Follow me. She walks briskly through the hall to an open door and enters a spacious kitchen. Should you stay with her or run? <laughs> if you try to escape, turn to page 30. If you stay with Madame Bonvier, turn to page 36. Um, I mean, running is the obvious choice because you are trying to escape, uh-huh. but... I mean, I kind of want to stick with her. Yeah, I kind of want to stick with her, too. See what kind of we nonsense also, is going to well, happen next. Yeah. Also, we we drove here with someone. Like, right. And we're not really familiar with the city. Yeah. Like, all of these things lead me to believe that running is probably... A bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's stick with her. got <laughs> caught immediately. Yeah. <laughs> You follow Madame Bonvier through the kitchen and into another wide hallway. Gilt-framed paintings of tropical scenes line the halls, and opposite the foot of a curving staircase is a portrait. You stop and stare. The man has a handsome face. My great-uncle Pierre, Madame Bonvier explains. It's a self-portrait. He painted all of these while he was living in Haiti. But you wouldn't be interested in that. I'm kind of interested in the autoerotic officiation thing that happened to him. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am. You say quickly, thinking that the more <laughs> she talks, thinking that the more she talks, the more time Francine will have to escape from Armand. He lived in Haiti for five years, she says sadly. Married there and had a child, a little girl. Her mother died in childbirth, and the little girl was barely three when she contracted tropical fever. She was dead before nightfall. That's terrible, you say. You almost forget that Madame Bonvier is a criminal. <laughs> Madame Bonvier brushes away a tear. My grandfather told me that Pierre was never quite the same when he came back. He talked about the child and about a portrait he painted of her. It was shipped with these. She waves her hand at the other paintings lining the hall. But it never got here. The little girl's name was Marie. Marie Jeannette. Well, enough of this. She pulls a bell rope and a maid appears. Get me a wrap, Celeste. I'm going out. Oui, madame. The maid returns a few minutes with a fur stole. Madame Bonvier pulls it over her shoulders and leads you out the front door. I like this lady. (laughs) You and Madame Bonvier get into the silver limousine parked at the foot of the steps. Not conspicuous at all. Well... Mm -hmm. Where is the mirror, she demands. You decide you better tell the truth this time. The gallery, you say. There's not a car in sight when you pull up in front of the shop. With mounting fear, you lead them up the stairs. The door is still unlocked. You should have stalled longer. You open the door. What took you so long? It's Francine. The shop lights go on and Tony tries to back out, but his way is blocked by two burly policemen. Yay! David is there, too. You find yourself feeling sorry for Madame Bonvier as they lead her away. Let's go upstairs and get some sleep, says David, taking your arm. <laughs> uh, it's not that kind of relationship, David. <laughs> Wait a minute, I need to check something. You run to the back room and take the tarp off the real mirror. They chose not to use the entire word this time. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> Then gently you pry the backing away. The soft brown eyes of a dark-haired little girl stare back at you. 
Exotic plants and lush greenery surround her. Marie Jeannette, it's Pierre's daughter, you say? This is why Madame Bonvier wanted the mirror. She must have suspected the portrait was hidden behind the mirror for the same reason I did. The mirror's frame is the same as the frames on the mansion portraits. You look at David. Can we take this to the police station for her? It will make her feel better. David picks up the portrait. You Let's, just damaged a multi-million dollar mirror. <laughs> Let's go, he says. The end. No, you're a good person. All right. Whatever. We never got to the masquerade party. Yeah, I kind of wanted to get to the masquerade sex party. Yeah. yeah. No eyes wide shut for us. No. But that seems like that's probably about the length of it. Oh, yeah. We're, okay. we're good. Oh, yeah. boo. <laughs> we, well, and we barely, I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot of choices that, that we ran into anyway. Although there is only 17 possible endings. But. We picked the wrong choice almost immediately. And uh, I think that... Yeah, I probably should have gone exploring because he would have gone over to the uh, costume shop and picked out a costume. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I I liked it. I liked it. I liked yeah, it. It's not bad. I, I kind of do want to see what the Eyes Wide Shut storyline has to offer. But... Yeah. But I, I liked it quite a bit. I thought, yeah. it, I thought it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say the big selling point f- for me was that we didn't actually do the costume balls. So it left me kind of wanting to do the other storyline. Yeah. And that's probably why I wind up recommending this one. Yeah. But. Uh, and this was another Louise Monroe. We've had pretty good luck with her books, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, Generally she's speaking, bad. pretty good author. I think the last one she did was... Um, the danger at Anchor Mine, where we met Crazy Mary, the ghost lady. That yeah. <laughs> lived in the mine shaft. Yeah. Right. That yeah. was a good one. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I recommend it. I like yeah. it. I'd throw out a check mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All righty. Well, uh, that's it for another episode of Incredibly Daring. If you'd like to check out more Choose Your Adventure stuff, go to CYOA.com. If you want to check out more Incredibly Daring content, go to IncrediblyDaring.com. I've been Jason. I'm Connie. I'm Jeremy. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.